This the remix. We are back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff, featuring Adam Candy. Follow me on Twitter at Miles A. Simmons. Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Good, good, good. Uh, Want to start with some Raiders news. Big Mr. Sue is on ESPN the other day uh, saying, hey, the Raiders should be cool. Then he's on Twitter saying, hey, the Raiders should be cool. couple things here. One, and we asked uh, Jason Fist this yesterday, is this um, Indomitian Sue pretty much just going out there saying, I don't know if anybody wants me, so I'm going to start pushing the narrative? Do, what, what do you think right now the market is for Mr. Sue? That's a good question. I mean, it's weird because right now so many people are on vacation in the NFL. I mean, you know, you look at different things, and it's like I've, I know Sean McVay is on his honeymoon with his wife, right, because he just got married. So it's like people aren't really trying to do much business right now, and that's probably part of the reason why Suze feels like, well, you know, nobody's really saying much to me. i got to go out and start to create maybe my own market. And then right. you see, you know, something got leaked the other day. I think it was Tyler Dragon of uh, USA Today said that the Vikings also could be in the market for Sue, and they've had some conversations. So at this point, yeah, it's kind of like, well, he's got to go and maybe kind of toot his own horn a little bit in order to drum up some interest because, yeah, I mean, it's not like rosters are exactly set, but if you're a defensive tackle and you know you can make an impact if you're a veteran, how much are people really going to say, like, yes, we definitely want this guy before training camp begins, right, right, and you can really start to evaluate, you know, like your young guys that you already have on your roster because the, the Pats haven't been on yet, you know, right, and it's not like Sue is some spring chicken. So once the pads come on and you say, all right, well, you know, X player isn't really performing up to the, what we thought he could be. Now that we see him in pads and we see him go against our guys in the OL. Now it's like, all right, yeah, if we really want to do something, then maybe we need somebody like Dominican Sue, and he can come in and he can perform well. Miles, uh, if I, as a Las Vegas person, gave you an over-under right now on Deshaun Watson's suspension at eight and a half games, what are you taking? Oh, boy. Uh, I would take the over on the initial suspension, but it might get reduced on appeal. And I realize that the appeal is going to, like, Goodell or whatever it is, but in the disciplinary process is different than it's been in the past. Um, but... It seems like that's the way the wind is blowing. You know, and I hate to sort of be that kind of person when we're talking about suspensions, but the, it's the context, right? It's the greater context of, like, even though he got 20 of the cases um, resolved through settlement earlier this week, there are still active cases going on. And just because you settle the cases doesn't mean that you're going to not face discipline for that. So... It, it, it's an unprecedented situation, and that's why it would probably be an unprecedented suspension. And, you know, the, the people are like, oh, the Browns, you know, they really, you know, screwed the pooch on this one. You know, my God, what is that? Like, you have to realize this was not just a one-year investment for the Browns with Deshaun Watson. All right, this is a five-year to ten-year to maybe even longer investment when you're talking about an elite quarterback. So... The Browns knew what they were getting into. Did they maybe think that this would be, you know, a six to eight game suspension rather than what it might be? 
this year, yeah. But at the same time, like it, it's a long-term investment for the, the Browns, and I don't think that they're going to feel some kind of way just because Deshaun Watson gets a longer suspension for the 2022 season. How how difficult is for them to come on a number here? Because there's still four cases out there, the, the women who did not settle. It seems every week more women come forward, so you're not really sure who else might be out there. Uh, they right. can't make it open-ended, can they? I mean, I guess if they say you're out for the year, you're out for the year, but it seems like if they make it open-ended, even the NFLPA is going to have to at some point step in and say, look, uh, we know what he's being accused of, but we represent him, and you're going to have to make a decision here on how long his guy's out. Right, I agree with you. And, like, the, the thing is, they could suspend him for, you know, a period of time, and then they could come back and say, well, there's more evidence. There's no, there's new accusations. There's new this, there's new that. So then we're going to suspend you for that, which is not what we were suspending you for before, you know? So I think that there is some flexibility, some leeway in what the NFL can do and how they could end up deciding to suspend him. But I mean, I think that it's not like they're just going to say, well, you know, because it's unresolved at this point, we're not going to sustain where we're going to do this, we're going to do that, or make it open-ended. I think it's going to be a set period of time. But, again, like I said, you, the NFL can make it clear that more could be coming mm-hmm. if they receive new evidence. We know that Roger Goodell is largely judge and jury when it comes to NFL player suspensions. He made very clear yesterday, though, Miles, that he does not have that power when it comes to Daniel Snyder, who is likely going to find himself uh, in front of Congress at some point here soon. What did you take out of a fun day of watching C-SPAN? <laughs> it was a fun day of watching C-SPAN, and I don't usually watch C-SPAN. So, like, right before they put on the hearing with Goodell, they had some guy screaming about how horrible the January 6th hearings are, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I, I thought it was interesting sort of how the, the House representative members would come back to basically the same question, you know? And, like, I understand that there were other things that were going on and there was a vote that was going on, so maybe they didn't all quite hear exactly what had been asked and answered. But, you know, like, if you were in a real trial, that would have been said more than once, asked and answered. Um I don't know that we really got anything much new out of it. Um, you know, if you're following this closely, and I guess I do, and that may be different than other folks, it's like, well, we know what the accusations are on Dan Snyder. We know that there is no public report. We know that there was no written report made, and Roger Goodell has been consistent in saying that they've done that to protect the privacy of the victims, the same victims who have said, no, please release the report. So it's this weird dynamic that they've got there. And I, it comes off to me as the NFL more protecting itself and protecting Dan Snyder than protecting the victims. And I think it comes off that way to, to pretty much everybody else. And so, yeah, as you were alluding to, Candy, you know, the, the other new thing that came out from that was that Congress is planning on subpoenaing, uh, issuing a subpoena for Dan Snyder to come and testify. So we'll see what comes out of that. I don't know that that much will come out of it. But the the other thing to me that feels like grody out of all of this is that, you know, Adam Schefter put out the little letter that uh, Dan Snyder, Tanya Snyder, and Jason Wright wrote to employees that had the subject line, a reminder of progress that we made over the last two years. And it's like patting themselves on the back for all these changes that had to be implemented because people started finding out about just how horrible the workplace culture was 
within the Washington franchise. And I don't know how appropriate it is to, A, pat yourself on the back for that as you are still under investigation for things that you may have done if you're Dan Snyder. And also, it's the same day as this hearing, as this congressional hearing. And I, I just, it feels grody to me. And it's like, the Snyders seem to think that people are still attacking the employees of the commanders, the current employees, when that's not true. The criticism is only being levied against Dan Snyder for what he is alleged to have done. And I think that everybody else in the world is smart enough to know that. Listen to this, and it's quick. I don't have the authority to remove him. Okay, he doesn't have the authority to remove him. Uh, I thought Adam made a terrific point early in the show that maybe one of the reasons he wouldn't go to the owners is he knows all the skeletons in everyone's closet, and maybe there's some owners in there who don't want uh, to be asked to remove an owner. Can you talk to that sense of why he wouldn't go to owners and at least say, okay, maybe we should have a vote on this? I'm not going to tell you how to vote. I know there has to be 24 out of 32, but let's just look at let's look at the possibility of getting him out of here. Well, I mean, it comes down to the fact that Roger Goodell works for the owners, right? And so when you are trying to remove one of your 32 employers, that's not a comfortable situation. And it's, it, it, like you said, he, he, he does not have the authority to remove Dan Snyder as an owner. That's something that the, if the owners were going to do that, then they would all have to come together and basically say, like, yeah, dang, your time's up, bro. Like, we're, we're done here. Like, we just can't do this anymore. And there just hasn't been a sense that that's something that the owners would be willing to do. And it could be, because not just Roger Goodell knows, like, the skeletons in the closet. Dan Snyder knows the skeletons in the closet. And it just seems like if Dan Snyder's going to go down, he's going to take a hell of a lot of people down with him. So... It's not the same sort of situation as it was with Jerry Richardson, and I guess that was 2017, 2018, whenever that was, when the reporting came out and Jerry Richardson basically just said, you know what, I'm just going to fade off into the sunset. Let me sell this team for a couple bill to David Tepper, and I'm out. It's not like that with Snyder, obviously. He is continuing to fight, and he's continuing to assert that things have changed. This is all in the past. Let's move on. And in, in less than until he has some come-to-Jesus moment and decides, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give this up, it just doesn't seem like there's much of an appetite from the owners to remove Dan Snyder. I think that Jesus would turn down that meeting, Miles. Like, <laughs> I think Jesus would be like, hey, you want to have a come-to-me meeting? And he'd see Dan Snyder come and be like, oh, yeah, no, about that. I think that. you made a wrong uh, turn somewhere. Something. Yeah. Something oh, I I am definitely washing my hair tonight. Sorry about that. I I don't know what happened. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't really disagree with you. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just uh, allegedly. Yeah, uh, uh, thank you, thank you for sprinkling a little uh, Jesus Amaro allegedly uh, on there for yeah, me. I yeah, appreciate it. Just just get us all get us all legally covered, uh, Miles. It, it, but really. That I made that point earlier to say it would not surprise me at all if Daniel Snyder has had his own investigators out there for God only knows how long digging up dirt on every other NFL franchise just to use Zamo. Oh, absolutely. I mean, listen, like the congressional report, you know, yesterday, whenever it came out a couple nights ago, basically said that he was doing that um, for women who had accused him of sexual harassment or if not sexual assault. So, like, yeah. 
that that's the thing that Dan Snyder does. Why I'm making the allegedly joke but not joke is because Dan Snyder is notoriously litigious. He will come after you. So, like, that's not something that, you know, I, I think that the owners want to get embroiled in. You know, again, like, if, if, if there is some sort of skeleton in the closet and somebody is going to say, like, yeah, we want to remove Dan Snyder, then Dan Snyder seems to be the kind of person that would then make it known that he's going to take you down too. So you don't necessarily want to mess with him in that particular way. And like I said, I think that has a lot to do with why the NFL has handled this in the way that they have. You know, the, Congre- the, the members of Congress yesterday were pressing Roger Goodell on why there had not been a written report when there had been one with all these other situations and all these other controversies that they've had in the past. And they specifically pointed to uh, the Dolphins' workplace harassment investigation, where some of the victims said that they would like to request anonymity, and they still had a written report. Right? So why was there not one for this Washington investigation? I mean, there's a lot of questions to that, and I don't think that protecting the victim's identity, when you can redact people's names, you can redact certain details about them and still, you know, have an understanding of what was going on. I just, I don't think that that reasoning truly holds water. And frankly, I think Roger Goodell knows it too, but he's being advised legally to say, like, this is what we need to, to put out there. Follow him on Twitter at Miles A. Simmons. Does an incredible job for Pro Football Talk. Buddy, this was great. Thanks for all the insight. We appreciate it. I hope you're well. Anytime, guys. Take care. Take care of yourself. Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk. Yeah, that was you and him going back. That was fascinating on Dan Snyder. Boy, I'm going to love to see where this goes, and I'm going to love to see his answer to the subpoena. I guess uh, that's not something you turn down, right? I mean, I guess you can delay it. Yeah, and I think that's what you can expect is that he's going to fight it as long as possible. And if he fights it long enough, he might be able to get it to the point where uh, it's in November and right. the House you know, changes and we have different people in charge. When we come back, I can't wait for this. I'm on a roll. I'm on fire. It's Candy's Chonies. Candy's Chonies. Eh, nobody cares about that. It's not a big deal. Guys. It is a massive deal. How do you not understand this? Hundreds of corporations have been hacked in the last few years and no one gave it. Name one. Equifax. Candy's Chonies. Name another. Target. Candy's Chonies. Name another one. PlayStation. Name one more. Yahoo. Another. Marriott. One more. eBay, Uber, Anthem, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Home Depot, Facebook. God damn it. Candy's Chonies. Fine, we get UPS, it. Chase Bank, Tumblr, LinkedIn. People don't care about privacy. What they care about is a good story. Well, they want a good story. They can have a good story. A good story is the underdog Ed Graney who never succeeds inside Candy's Chonies becoming not only one of the favorite people I've ever had in my Chonies, but one of the most successful as well. It it really is. uh, It it is a story for the ages. Um, I wouldn't have been here, by the way. (laughs) I wouldn't have been upset if when I asked you what your greatest moment covering sports was, if you said when I got back to back days of Candy's Chonies, right? Yeah, I forgot about that. So I'm, I'm in a, the Starbucks at the at the Great Wall can go can go to the side now. Yeah, it's number two. It's it's clearly uh, it's clearly number two. We're we are uh, if you're not familiar with this, we are inside Candy's Chonies. Uh, Candy's Chonies generally is an area where we give Ed some very obscure stats, and he has to try to guess 
what they come from, right? And I give him individual numbers and he tells me, okay, that's Cody Bellinger's batting average against fastballs, which is, you know, 025 or something right. like that, right? So yesterday we did a themed Candy's Chonies. We, we just gave Ed a bunch of numbers until he could guess who the person was. And I thought about coming back today and being punitive. I thought about going and finding some of the most obscure baseball numbers that I could because I thought I want to win today. And then I thought to myself, you know, Adam, that's harsh. <laughs> this man is enjoying himself. Yes, I he, am. Is, he is winning and he feels good about his winning. <laughs> and I decided to at least make this a chance. Somewhat for possible? You. A chance for you. Okay, okay. a chance. That's not We're going to do another themed Candy's Chonies. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give you numbers. You're going to guess what the numbers are first, and then we'll tell you. Uh, ultimately, they will tell you who it is about. Okay, so we have another so person at guess, the end. You need to guess who this is about. Okay. Okay. Let's start with this number. 250 million. 250 okay, so that's million. a salary. Uh, it, it is It is a salary. It is, in fact, a net worth. Uh, oh, okay. $250 million. Okay. $250 million is this person's net worth. Alex um, Rodriguez, no. Okay. Okay. All right. I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate where you're starting. Okay. Um, this person is closely connected to basketball. Okay. Closely so, connected. Okay, so That's keep, an interesting keep way to that, put it. Uh, keep, keep that in mind. Uh, basketball is where you will find this person probably more often than just about anywhere else. Okay. All right. 111 million. Do you want to take a guess as to what the 111 million is about this person? Career earnings? No, it is not about career earnings. It has to do with people. Oh, 111 million. It's a lot, right? It's a lot. It's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of numbers there. A lot of people. A lot I've of got people. Danny's face very inquisitive at this point. He's, Danny's uh, interested. He's Danny's interested, interested, but this, but but uh, I have not given Danny a uh, license to go into my chonies, so you know that would be against the rules. So uh, that is an amount of followers. Is that ah, followers? Uh, okay. Uh, do you want to guess on what platform this person has 111 million followers? You know what? The easy part would be Twitter, so I'll say Instagram. You are correct. That It is an amount of followers on Instagram. Okay. 35. 35 is your next number. 35. Age? 35 is the age of this person. Correct. So this person is 35 years old. They have 111 million followers on Instagram and a net worth of $250 million. Would you like for extra points to guess who this person is right now? Oh, I'm not even close. Okay. I, I, All right. I, on yeah, we go. I, I have no on, idea. Uh, nope. Nope. The sliding scale. No uh, it, you will still be awarded points. You just will not be awarded as many points. Um, I, I do appreciate the fact that you're being careful and tender in my chonies. Yeah. Okay. So uh, your next number is 38 and a half million. 38 and a half million. What does 38 and a half million have to do with this person? Use something you already used. Use a number you already use a I mean, uh, I I guess used you already salary used. already. No, you were already you were in the right ballpark. You said you were going to use Instagram because Oh, Twitter. Okay, so Twitter followers. This person this person has 38 and a half million Twitter followers, 111 million Instagram followers, a net worth of $250 million. They're 35 years old. No guesses. Okay. This person is in the news right now 
for something that they just created. Something that they just created. It is, in fact, the seventh time that they've done this. They just created something new. It is the seventh time they've created something new. Now, you have to tell me, does Danny think he knows this one? You can't guess the actual thing, Danny. But, Danny, do you think you know who who this person is? Do you think you know? I'm not even close. You're not even close. No, because I don't think it's a player. I think it's more... I'm trying of to a think fan of or who, like a celebrity. It's somebody that posts a lot of pictures, but they don't tweet because otherwise you would have more Twitter followers than Instagram followers. And, and follow that, follow that thread, follow that thread you just had in your head. I think it's a someone celebrity. who might not be. I mean, an that's athlete. not going out in a limb. The person has a hundred million Instagram followers and thirty-eight million on Twitter, so it's not uh, just your average fan. Um, so now I'm trying to think of fans who attend basketball games a lot. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Uh, You're in the right area. And they're celebrities and there were 250 million. Okay. All right. I'm going now I'm going to take a little turn here and we're going to do this we're going to do this with a few other words. Okay? I'm going to give you words instead of numbers. You ready? This is this is going to be for a lot of people this is going to be where they get it. Okay, you ready for this? Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Know yourself. Okay. Marvin's room. Hold on, we're going home. Hotline bling. I uh, is um No, you cannot guess, Danny. Okay. I cannot but do guess. Do you know it? Yes, I do. Back to back. Trophies. Energy. And now I will tell you, Ed, that this person is most often found on the sidelines at a Toronto Raptors Drake. game. Hey! <laughs> I'm surprised you said uh, on the sidelines of a Raptors game and not in the locker room of whoever won the championship. That, that is fair. That, that is fair. Uh, wearing a Kentucky jersey standing next to John Calipari. That's not yeah, going to count, that, though. There are yeah. way too many clues. There are way too many clues. I, I, the only part that should count on about like one-tenth percent is it was a celebrity who attended basketball games down the road. But once, once I got to... Uh, once you got to Toronto, I'm not even going to count that one. If I didn't get that one, it was pathetic. Well, here, here the thing of it is, I thought you had a chance because when you don't know a song, you just guess that it's Drake. Yes. So I thought yes. when you didn't know the person, <laughs> you might just guess that it's Drake. Oh man, yeah, I won't. I'll, I'll stay two. That would make me for the week what two for five? I th- three by for five. My count it's three for yeah, five. Three, three for no, five. Three, you three you for are five. three for five hey, this you're week. You're batting you six hundred. <laughs> insert me over Bellinger and Chris Taylor today. Yep, two for three on Monday. Uh, one for one with the Deucer yesterday, and it's over uh, one today. Unfortunately, we, yeah. we 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 end on a pop out here with Drake. Well, yeah, too 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 many clues. I would say it's kind of like a sacrifice bunt, like Eddie Alvarez had the other night. <laughs> <laughs> and the Elvers had a sacrifice bunt. It's the only thing that guy can do. He's dropping balls in right field. He can't hit. So, like, you know, Doc Roberts, uh, just put this bunt down, please, and move the grunner over. It's a big inning. They scored four runs at any. I was glad. Good job, Ed. You know what? <laughs> Overall for the week, a three out of five inside. Can't, oh, anytime, it's not bad. Anyone who is successful inside my Chonies three out of five times is welcome back anytime. And I think, I'll say this, I'm going back and forth. I don't think, I don't think Bischoff gets deuce until you say 325 pounds. Um, I don't think Bischoff gets Drake because he knows nothing about uh, entertainment or, or like you know um, songs or anything like that. Fair. So I'm I'm two Fair. for two on him there. And what did yeah. I get the? I'm uh, you got Tony Gonsolin's ERA. 
Um, I'm not sure uh, he would have gotten Tony Gonsolin's ER. He would have gotten that one. Right? So, yeah, I, I think he deserved credit. Yeah. All right. Very excited. Yeah, I didn't know it was Drake until the uh, the hotline bling. I think that's the only song I know by him. That's why I, I saved that one. I thought that was going to be the uh, the one that put at least one of you over the top. Okay, do you want to know who I thought it was before Drake? I thought it was Jay-Z. Uh, fair. Absolutely fair. I thought it was Jay-Z. Uh, by, by the oh, oh, big breaking breaking news, breaking news. Arch Manning has announced his commitment oh, to wait. Texas. Oh, Texas. What an upset. Look at Sark. Look oh, at Sark man. going he right under Saban's nose. He gets text. I just wanted, not that I'm a huge fan or anything like that, I wanted Alabama just so the family would be so incredulous because of the Mississippi angle. Like, I wanted I, Alabama just for that and, like, to say, hey, to heck with you, I'm going to play for Saban. Sark steals Arch Manning. I love it more than anything wow. because it means Bischoff doesn't get him at Mississippi. Oh, Yeah. I I did not want him going where the uh, where the grandpa went. I did not want him going where the uh, uncle went. I did not want that. I wanted Alabama just so he, the kid could come back and like beat Mississippi every time, and that would be that would piss off Bischoff, which is always a great thing. Always. But Texas, well, he'll be in the SEC though. Look at that, unbelievable! Yeah. He'll he'll get to stick it to Nick. Gosh, good for Arch Manning. Good for thinking on his own. I like that. Yep. Well, we also like J.R. Starkus, and guess who's making us a drink next? We'll be back after this. Ready for the weekend? It's like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. Let's find out what's on tap with J.R. Starkus. Champagne, perfume going in, sewage coming out. Key account executive, Southern Glaze Wine Spirits, Nevada, our extreme exologist. Follow on Twitter at J.R. Starkus. What's on tap? Instagram at J.R. Makes Drinks. How are you, buddy? Haven't talked to you in a while. I know it's been a long time. Uh, I've been doing good, you know. No complaints here. Yeah. Uh, our city is is definitely thriving. Yeah. Uh, how, how's the how's the pool action this year with the drinks? I mean, do, I, I'm sure the menu's already out and everything, but uh, you getting some good feedback. How's that going? You know, it's it's been actually pretty incredible. Even pools who who are, who are kind of like historically. I don't want to call, you know, there's, there's our day clubs that are just jammed all the time. And then there are pools that are just a little more laid back. And even those pools are seeing just incredible volume and numbers right now. Um, I had dinner on the strip last night at a, at a, now granted, you know, the world series of poker is here, but I had dinner on the strip last night and I was leaving the restaurant at nine o'clock and there was still a line of people waiting to get in. And it was packed. The restaurant was packed. Really? Like this is unbelievable. Yeah. And, 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 you know, uh, you know, nothing on the strip is inexpensive. This happened to be one of the, um, the, the, and to me, one of the more expensive ones. But, um, it, it, I mean, it's, I look around and I'm like, this is unbelievable how many people are here, uh, you know, to, to dine here. It's, it's an, uh, unbelievable. So, uh, it's good for our city and, and a lot of people are drinking. So it's good for my business. That's for sure. I'm always interested in the pool menus each summer. Are there staples that you go with all the time before you try to change things up? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, margarita and pina colada are basically the two drinks that everybody fights over. Um, all of the brands, you know, if you're a tequila, you want the margarita. If you're a rum, you want the pina colada. Those are far and away the, the, the most, the most popular drinks. So, um, those, those drinks, it doesn't, you know, it's the, the recipes don't change much. It's just a matter of the brands that switch from, from one to another, depending on who the best, who the partners are for the particular resort. Uh, but those drinks never change, and and as a matter of fact, a lot of the time you build off of those. Um, you know, when you're when you're building drinks for pool cocktails, you 
it's easy to explain to a guest when they're looking at a drink, right? That's, you know, they're like, oh, this looks interesting. What's this? You're like, oh, it's like a pina colada, but fill in the blank. Or it's like a margarita, but this. And that's what gets guests to try different things um, a little out of their norm because they do understand pina colada and they do understand margarita. Uh, nowadays, do you kind of see people moving away from like daiquiris or are those still big? Cause you don't really hear about them much, but you did maybe like 10, 15 years ago. Sure. Sure. No, you still see a lot of daiquiris, but here's the thing, like a real daiquiri, a real authentic daiquiri is rum, lime juice, and sugar. And it's shaken and it's not over. It's not blended. You can put it over ice, but typically it would be served in a cocktail glass. And it's the color of it is, you know, um, you know, like almost like a light greenish color because it's basically a margarita with rum instead of tequila. Uh, a lot of people don't understand that. A lot of people think a daiquiri is frozen. Uh, same thing with a Mai Tai, right? A Mai Tai is the same idea. A lot of people think this Mai Tai is just like red, fruity drink. And, and it's while it's kind of a fruity or sweeter drink, it's not, I wouldn't call it fruity. The real Mai Tai is, is nothing like what you get in most establishments. So the reason you don't hear a lot about daiquiri um, is because what you, what you get now, if uh, anywhere, basically, if you ask for daiquiri, it's coming out of a, you know, a, a frozen machine. Um, that's considered a daiquiri and that's, uh, not really a real daiquiri at all. A real daiquiri is, is three ingredients and shaken. Nothing drives you crazier than those weird machines and those tall, those tall drinks on the, on the strip, does it? You go by there, you're not happy at all when you see those weird things. No, no, actually, uh, it doesn't bother me at all because, you know. You know, they, first of all, they use our booze, so that's good. But oh, there you, um, go. you know, I, I, as a bartender, you know, we, we you know, uh, you, you know, you you always look for, especially when you get busy, you always look for a couple like layups in the in the night. So, you know, if you're working the service well, you have all these tickets coming off, and it's craft cocktail, craft cocktail, craft cocktail, and you're getting absolutely buried in the service well. You you look to pull the ticket that's got you know four Coronas on it, and you're like, oh god, thank God, finally one that's kind of easy. So. You know, if you have something like that where it's pre-made, you know, um, it, you, you look you look for those to help you get out of the weeds a little bit. Uh, so the the big frozen drinks sometimes, you know, they make they make a, a, our bartenders a lot of money, and hopefully they're getting tipped on it. So um, you know, I, I don't mind them too much as long as they're using our stuff. Uh, it's going to be hot this weekend. You've got a nice cooling mash for the weekend. What do you got today? Yeah, yeah the gin mashup. It's kind of a, a cross between a mojito and a gin ricky. Uh, a gin ricky is just basically gin, lime juice, and club soda, very kind of on the tart side of things, but it's refreshing. Um, and then, of course, a mojito is, you know, rum, mint, lime juice, club soda, um, and, and a little bit of sugar. Um, so we're taking those two drinks, and we're kind of going to kind of combine them. So think about making a mojito, but with the gin base. Now, you may think to yourself, you're like, oh, no, that's not. I'm telling you, the drink is so refreshing, and the way that the lime juice and the mint play with the botanicals and the gin, it has this really almost – um, menthol-y kind of very cooling effect to it. So um, it, it is really perfect for the hot weather. So um, you want to you build this drink in a glass. You don't need anything to shake with or anything like that, but you will want some, like, cracked ice. So if you have an ice machine um, from, your, from your refrigerator at home, like using the cracked version or the crushed version is what we're looking for here, or pebble ice or something like that. That's really what we want for this drink. Um, and you can build it in the, in the glass. So find something that holds 14 ounces or so um, and add 8 to 10 mint leaves in it. Um, add about three-quarter ounces of simple syrup and just give the mint leaves a little bit of muddle with the simple syrup. The reason we are adding the simple syrup at the same time as the mint is because we're expressing some of those oils. And believe it or not, the simple syrup will kind of like trap the oils into the drink. 
So later on, you'll get more of the mint expression in the cocktail. Um, you can you can modify up or down with the mint depending on how minty you like your drink, but I think 8 to 10 is usually a good number. After you add and muddle um, the mint and the, the the simple syrup together, you're going to add a couple dashes of orange bitters. Uh, you can omit the orange bitters if you want, uh, but I, I think it adds a nice touch. If you don't have orange bitters, no sweat here, you can leave it out. Um, but I, I think a couple dashes of orange bitters work quite nicely. Um, and you're going to add three-quarter ounces of fresh lime juice to balance out the simple syrup. At this point, you can add ice, the crushed ice or the cracked ice, to your drink. Um, you want to fill the glass about three-quarters of the way. And then top it with about an ounce and a half. I use botanist gin. Um, something London dry in style or, or more botanical forward works very well for this. To me, botanist gin is, is one of the pinnacles of gin making. So, um, you know, I, I use it quite a bit. So use botanist gin, an ounce and a half. Um, at this point, you, you might notice that the ice is kind of like dwindled down a little bit. So you can um, at top with more ice, top the drink with a little bit of Fever Tree Club Soda, the best in the business, the, the mixers that Fever Tree offers, and then take a bar spoon and just kind of, because you, you have the mint, the lime, the sugar, it's all at the bottom of the glass. Um, and then, of course, the ice and the, the, the gin, believe it or not, kind of sits on top. So take a bar spoon and just kind of like gently stir all those ingredients together, kind of scooping from the bottom of the glass to the top to incorporate all the ingredients. Garnish it with a piece of mint. Add a little more ice if you still desire because at that, you know, there's still a little bit more of the uh, dilution happening. Uh, top it with a little bit of ice, add a mint garnish, and you have a really, really refreshing uh, gin mashup kind of cocktail for the weekend. It's basically a mojito sub-gin. It's outstanding. What's the flavor mostly? You get a lot of the mint? You do get a lot of the mint and more, of course, if you add more. Um, I think you might be surprised with, you know, um, I don't want to say you don't taste the gin, but it's not like the most forward flavor in there, but you certainly do taste it, but it plays so well with the mint, it just um, it just makes it so it's very, it, it intermingles and intertwines very nice. But mint for sure, and then followed by a little bit of the sweetness from the simple syrup. I know you lose the, uh, use the botanist. Any other choices if you don't have that? Um, you can use Tangeray or Tangeray 10. I like, I love Malfi Gin. Malfi Gin has uh, an original, and they also have a Limon. They have a Blood Orange um, that would just do wonders in this as well. So you could even sub one of the flavors if you wanted to tweak it a little bit. Outstanding Gin. So um, any of those would work as well. If, uh, if you were to use a flavored gin, would you recommend taking out any of the ingredients, such as uh, you had just said the blood orange flavor? Would you take out the orange bitters, or would you leave those in? No, you can leave them in. It's, uh, it's a great question. Uh, bitters to a bartender is like salt and pepper, right? So, you know, it's, it's, it, it helps to draw flavors out. Um, so, you know, you don't have to take the orange bitters out at all, um, and the, the blood orange gin would be a great way. And it actually... The blood orange gin is actually kind of like that orange in color as well, so it would change the color of the drink as well um, and would be quite nice. You could even split the base, too. You could do three-quarter ounces of pick two of the gins I just mentioned, and it would still be quite nice. Nobody better. Follow me on Twitter, J.R. Starkus, uh, Southern Glaciers Wine Spirits Nevada, our extreme mixologist. This will be up on J.R. Makes Drinks on Instagram? Yes, sir. It will shortly here. Good to talk to you, buddy. You got it, guys. Talk I'll to talk you to you soon. Next, uh, talk to you next week. All right.
Two more tickets to Morrissey, July 6th at the Coliseum. Two more tickets to Morrissey. Danny ran them down for you. Thank him when you call in. Caller number 11, 702-364-1100. 702-364-1100. Right now, go see Morrissey at the Coliseum. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is The Press Box with Graney and Bischoff featuring Adam Candy. Boy, Rory, Rory McIlroy, he's on fire lately. Leading the, uh, is it the Travelers? Are we looking at Travelers Championship? We Finishes are doing the Travelers eight, this eight week. 862 to start off Xander Shoffley. He's from the alma mater. Seven. Martin Laird, seven. Howell, six. Webb Simpson, six. Boy, this thing's going to be a huge number at the end of the week. Uh, Scheffler, I don't think Scheffler's gone off yet. So there's some uh, big names uh, under the uh, under the time that have, have still got to go. But, man, Rory, Canadian Open, top five U.S. Open. Nah, he's good to be a leader now. Now the kid's a leader. He's ripping people, taking shots. He's playing well. It's better when you play. Isn't it better when you play like this, when you're kind of standing up as the voice of golf now? Oh, he has to. He has to back it up because otherwise all of the Twitter trolls and jokers are going to talk about when is he the next European right. falling off his game to go to the live tour, right? But I loved what Scotty Scheffler said yesterday. Number one ranked player in the world, right? And he left a little bit of wiggle room for down the line what he might do. He didn't completely close the door on the live tour. But what he said is that I grew up dreaming of playing on the PGA tour. I grew up dreaming of winning big events, of being the master's champion, of becoming the number one golfer in the world. Like that to me rang very true. And Scotty Scheffler is a genuine guy. He's very straightforward uh, with the media and Right now, you've got the number one player in the world coming out and saying, yeah, you know, I'm exactly where I want to be. And it really has become a, a pretty bright line drawn between players that we generally root for right. and players that we never root for. Uh, Sir Veli, uh, want to know what you think of this. Riley Smith, three years, five a year. I think that's good for both sides. If that's what Boy, it that's... is. Again, he's reporting that. Nothing's yeah. been announced officially, but it's a pretty specific term there for him to be wrong on that i that term if the golden knights get that done i think is very beneficial to the golden knights i don't think it's unfair for riley smith no but i think a player of his production level probably could have gotten a fourth year somewhere on the open market riley smith was very clear at season's end about how much he loves being in vegas he sent all the signals to the vegas golden knights front office that if you want me back, I'll find a way to get it done. And when a guy takes a term that, frankly, is probably less in years or less in money, if he were going to get three years somewhere else than he could have gotten outside VGK, then he put his money where his mouth yeah. is. Uh, give me your crystal ball now. They're, they're, look, they're going to have to move on some from somebody, especially if he's five-year, which means nothing's really come off the books. Um, keep seeing, I keep seeing people uh, guess at Pacioretty. And knowing what you've heard from Bruce Cassidy and, and how his team plays, would that shock you if someone of that of that uh, uh, level actually was moved? It would because of the fact that Max Pacioretty is the most dynamic scorer on that team. Right? That what he brings is what can fix your power play. What he right. brings right. is the sort of free-flowing offensive game that can help you win. And I get why they're speculating on Pacioretty because there's one year left on the contract and the 7 million number would even up pretty well with what we need to get to Riley Smith's number. But I also can't see where that happens for the Golden Knights. Uh, I would be much more inclined to be looking down at the defense core and wonder, do they try to get by without Alec Martinez? 
Okay. Uh, okay. Now he has a modified no trade, much the same as Max Pacioretty Daddy has a modified no trade. Um, but he's 34 years old. There's two years left at five plus million. He had a very scary health situation uh, this past year, but he's also a 34 year old defenseman. And if he falls off, he might fall off hard. Now, Alec Martinez also plays a very physical brand of game. He's consistently among the leaders in blocked shots. Could we see the Golden Knights be more willing to give a guy like Ben Hutton more run to try to make this work? Would they prioritize offense up front versus having uh, Alec Martinez solidify in their defense core? Right. Uh, real quick, uh, tonight you want to take a guess at Chet Holmgren? I'll say two to Oklahoma City. What do you think? I think Chet Holmgren goes uh, in the three spots. Okay. I, I, I just... I feel like Jabari Smith is now clearly up to one. I think Bancaro is going to go number two. Would it shock me also, Ed, if there were a trade somewhere in that top three? Uh, no, because I, I don't know that the teams at the top feel all that strongly about any of the players in this draft, right? Like that to me feels like the more likely move. Uh, and just to add one note to the Vegas Golden Knights thing, um, if we want to talk about where a $5 million salary matches up one for one, uh, there, there's a... There's an injured goaltender who's going to make $5 million next year as well. Oh, don't know how long he's going to be out. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know who's taking that $5 million, but... Well, I, I guess that's my question to you. Who takes it off the books for you? And do you have, yeah, to, do you have uh, to retain some for him? Would you have to retain some for him? Uh, you might have to retain some, and then maybe you can make it work by looking at a guy like Laurent Brossois making 2.3 and say, yeah, you know what? Uh, we're going to be just fine with Logan Thompson backing up. I'm trying to think of anyone else off the books that could make sense. I, I, I can't think of anyone right now, but they're going to have to do something. Uh, if you didn't hear, Frank Cervelli is now reporting that Riley Smith is off the board, that he has uh, agreed to a three-year deal with the Golden Knights for $5 million a year. We'll see if that's true in the next coming weeks. Uh, might be July until they uh, uh, make that announcement. Adam, it was great this week, buddy. I want to appreciate it. I, want, I appreciate you. Thank you very much. Always fun, man.